Hey, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast, everyone. This is your host, Jared Warren, and I'm thrilled to bring you my interview with Matt Plocker today. Matt is a good friend of mine. I've known him for several years, but just a very unique individual in deep thought. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the brain tools that Matt uses to approach each day to make sure that he's living his life with intentionality and purpose and not just winging it. And I'm excited for him to share with you guys today some of the tools and techniques that he uses, some of the brain-based behavior traits that he implements each day into his schedule, into his routine, and how we can start using those same tools today, whether this is your first step in a new direction or whether you've been incredibly successful in the past and you're just looking for that next new wave of excitement to get on. Maybe you've been in a little bit of burnout or maybe a lot of burnout and you're just stuck. You don't know where to go. You don't know which direction to turn. I think the conversation you're going to hear today is going to help you really understand how to attack each day with intentionality and purpose and how to use the brain in your favor to accomplish more than maybe you thought possible at this stage of your business, your life, your career. You fill in the blank. And let's go ahead and jump right in so that you guys get a chance to hear from Matt this morning. Welcome to the call, Matt. How is the weather out in Los Angeles? It's a beautiful day in L.A. It's uh, pretty much always beautiful, but we're thankful for it. Yeah, I know we're always so envious of your weather. And thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I think the listeners are in for a great show today. And we had a great chance to catch up before the talk about your 25-year career of just, you know, your success and your professional achievements. And I know there's some tools that you have and some strategies you have to help people either in the first steps of their new path or new journey in life that they're trying to get on to maximum performance or, or achievement or success. And then some people that might just be stuck out there that don't really know where to go in order to obtain achievement. Why don't you tell us about the tools you have found successful in your life and how people either on the first step or trying to reset their life basically after a long career can really tune into those those tools and those keys. Yeah, great. I'm excited to talk about it. And, and talking about it always helps me uh, remember also what I need to be applying every day to my life to really, you know, uh, take things to the next level. And when I, when I say the next level or when you talk about success or improvement or achievement, I always think about it as just being the best version of yourself. Uh, and so, so I'm, I'm going to talk today about some different tools that I've used that I've taught a lot of other people to use. And when I say the word tools, they're literally simple tools, but they're so simple that I think other people out there in the world think there must be something bigger than that. To, to be more successful, to achieve what they want, to be a better version of themselves. But they really are simple tools. So, so I'll, I'll share them with you. And a lot of the tools uh, fall into a few buckets. They fall into primarily two buckets, which are the mission and vision bucket. Mission is simply, you know, why you do what you do. Vision is where you're going. But there's a third component that I think a lot of people don't talk about, and, and that's the who you are. It's more, it's deeper, it's self-awareness, that kind of stuff. So let's dive right into it and talk about some of the tools. So, so first of all, I believe there are four fundamental, simple tools that if everyone um, took action on these four tools, if everyone had these four tools in their life, no matter who they are, whether they're an extrovert or an introvert, or whether, what, no matter what their Myers-Briggs looks like, or no matter what their culture index looks like, or no matter what any, any assessment of who you are, what it says, is these four tools will help anyone. And I know this, uh, my wife and I are very uh, measurably different, yet these tools help both of us uh, really create the life we want. So the four tools are this, and I call these four tools when you link them together, uh, they, they really help connect the dots to your most amazing future. So when you connect these four tools, and these four tools really cover four different time frames, 
for you. And, and we'll start with, I, I think, one of the most important tools, and it's called the design statement. So this is tool number one. I read a design statement to, to myself every day out loud twice a day seeing it, feeling it, and believing it. And the design statement, which as we talk about tools, I learned this tool from a book that was written in the 1930s. So, you know, maybe it's a book that's written in the 1930s or it was a book that was written just last year. You're going to hear a lot of these these ideas are not new. What's what's unique is the execution on them. So, so the design statement originally came from a book called Think and Grow Rich. Uh, it's a really old school book. If anybody wants to read it, it's, it's fundamental, a fundamentally success book. Uh, but the, the six-step statement is what it's called, was originally on page 18 in that book. I've adapted it to call it a design statement. And this is a statement that you read to yourself out loud twice daily. Here are the six steps of the statement. Number one, write down a definite goals you want to achieve. I think most of us can handle three goals. So definite goals you want to achieve, personally, professionally, financially, whatever it might be. I wouldn't take it more than three initially. Second step of the statement of the design statement is the most unique step. And it is uh, that you need to write Write in your statement what you want to change about you. This is tough. This is unique. This is a nuanced thing that you have to be aware of who you are and what you want to change about you. I was a pretty fast-running, hard-charging, driven young guy, and I realized, though, I wasn't connecting as deeply as I could with people. I wasn't building relationships as deeply as I could. So one of my early statements from my step two of this design statement is, it, is I said to myself that, that I will slow down so they know that I care one person at a time. And that meant whether I was talking, uh, thinking about my family or thinking about a client or thinking about someone on my team that I work with, I want to slow down so they know that I care one person at a time. That was a thing I knew I needed to change about me to get to be the best version of myself. So, it, so step two is, is unique in that. Step three is simply have a date and, and the design statement. The date should go no farther than six months out from today. Much further than that, and your brain becomes, uh, it just loves to rest, basically. You guys, I, I've, I've worked a lot with a, a, neuro, a neuroscientist. His name's Dr. Robert Cooper, and I've learned a lot from him. I'll, I'll give you a couple tools I learned from Robert. Uh, but one thing that I learned from him that, uh, that all neuroscientists know is that the brain really wants to do two things. It wants to protect you, and it wants to rest and, and save energy. So it's constantly looking to rest and protect which aren't super growth oriented. So you need to have this design statement over a short period of time, which is no longer than six months. Fourth step is you need to have three definite strategies or tactics. Four, uh, fifth step is you need to write out the statement. You can't give yourself any longer than 30 minutes to write it out twice a year. Just go from your gut and your heart and write it down. And the sixth step is to read it aloud twice daily, as I've said a couple of times, and I've said it a couple of times because that's the part that so many people miss. You read it once after arising in the morning and right before going to bed at night, and you'd be amazed at how much your brain, your subconscious goes to work on what you want to accomplish and what you want to achieve. It's not just that it believes it, that it act, but it actually goes to work on it. I read mine the other morning. I had a training session that I was doing for a group of people in my organization. I read a sentence in my design statement, and somehow it triggered a thought because I knew I had this training session I was teaching and it reminded me to, to teach a couple things that I've never taught in this type of training session before, but somehow reading that in the morning triggered my mind. I called one of my team members. I said, hey, prepare this, this, and this for this training session. And I think it was one of the best sessions we've ever had. And somehow reading that statement helped me become more purposeful in that meeting. So that's one tool, the design statement. The next tool is a written business plan. 
I believe everyone should have a written business plan. Overly simply in our business, we write them for one-year periods. And, and I don't need to talk much more about a business plan other than that you should at least check in with your business plan, go over it with your team minimally quarterly. All the, all the vision in it, the strategies, the tactics, you got to go over it at least quarterly with your team. Third tool is a three-year letter. This is a letter that you write to someone you love or care about. And in the letter, you write it as if it's already happened. And a letter you're writing to someone in the future tense, looking back. For instance, mine, my wife's name is Justine. I say, Justine, wow, it's January 18th, 2020. Can you believe what we've accomplished um, in the last three years? Claudia's this old, Matthew's this old. We've, and, and so in this three-year letter, you write it out and, and it, uh, you probably look at it about monthly. You share it with the significant person you wrote it to, and, and it literally attracts you toward that three-year future. And, and the three-year letter is very clearly what you want to accomplish personally, professionally, and financially three years from today. And you paint a verbal picture of it. And, and I, it's amazing how many things have happened in my three-year letter, and I feel like it's happened just not completely intentionally, but because I had it out there, it drove me to work toward those things on a daily basis. So the final tool is, is a, what a lot of people would call a bucket list. I call it a 100 things in your lifetime list. And the 100 things are what you want to experience, accomplish, achieve, or impact in your lifetime. I stopped calling it a bucket list because I just didn't like the connotation of kicking the bucket. I stopped calling it a 100 things to do before you die list, which is what I originally called it. But it's 100 things in your lifetime list, which is kind of exciting to think about. I mentioned earlier that I, I moved to L.A. five years ago, about two and a half or three months before the date that I moved here. It really wasn't even on my radar screen to move here because of a combination of things that happened. My wife and I and kids got a great opportunity and chose to move here. And it was amazing as I was exploring the opportunity, I looked at my three-year letter, I looked at my 100 things list, and I would instantaneously ac- accomplish, I don't know, eight to 10 of the things on my 100 things list and two or three of the things in my three-year letter just by taking that, taking on that opportunity and taking on that risk uh, to make the move for that career step. And, and so it really helped me make a career decision because I had those four tools that I could check in with. So I believe, uh, you know, all, almost everyone who's listening to this has probably heard some version of those four tools. I think there are uniquenesses in each of the four, but what's ultra unique is, is if you actually have, as an individual, if you have all four of those for your life, it's amazing what you can accomplish, experience, and achieve. Matt, I'm, I'm listening to everything here, and I'm trying just not to blurt out things because I'm just I'm copying down notes about as fast as I can write here. One of the things that I'm thinking about whenever you're saying this is it doesn't sound like anything that you're mentioning is inherently, you know, it's not rocket science. It's things that everybody can do each day as we started off the the show saying whether you're in your first step of trying to figure out how to turn your life around or you've been a professional who's achieved much, but now you've gotten into a rut and you're trying to figure out new keys and strategies to move in a different direction. These are not that hard. Why do you feel like so many people struggle with, number one, taking the time to write down goals and review them daily. You know, I heard a stat at one point that I've mentioned many times on the podcast that said about 20% of people out there or less actually have goals to where if you put them on the spot and said, what are your goals within any given time frame, they could actually give those to you. About 10% 
have goals that they review from time to time and keep them in front of mind, but less than 2%, less than 2% of people out there have goals that they take the time to write down and review daily. You've obviously found a lot of success from doing these sort of things, and it's something that, it, that you live by. You've, you've seared this into your brain, and you're living by it. Why is it so hard for people who want to achieve success to go out and actually do these what seem like simple things? Yeah, it's a great question. I've asked myself the question a lot of times before as I've worked with, you know, literally thousands of people across uh, several different organizations that that I've been a part of. Um, And and I think a couple of things come to mind. One is is just a reminder of of how we're wired and and it's it's what I've learned. So I don't beat myself up about it like I used to is is look, our brain is wired to, to, like I said, rest and protect. And if you literally keep these tools in front of yourself, um, it is not very comfortable to be comfortable. Uh, it will keep you working out of your mission and towards your vision. And, and so I think that's one is you literally have to use these tools to counteract your naturalness, which is all of our naturalness, uh, to, to rest. And, and look, we need periods of rest. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, some of the tools I've learned of, of how to run fast and rest too. But, but I think, I think that's one reason is, is we have to realize we're naturally wired that way, uh, as kind of human beings, you know, our physiology. The second thing I think why people don't do it is, is we all, I heard this a long time ago, we've all gotten gifts and wounds from how we've grown up. And look, I'm not saying, you know, blame things on your parents. Uh, One of my values that's most dear to my heart is personal responsibility, which is the opposite of being a victim or a blamer of other things. I just like owning that, hey, I got a lot of gifts and wounds from growing up. And the more aware I can be of those, uh, the more I can use the gifts to, to get further in life where I want to get. And I can be aware of the wounds. You know, wounds heal, but there's still a scar there sometimes. And that's still kind of who you are. And and so I, I think that's the thing that other why people don't do it is they, they won't they don't take the time to work on themselves personally enough. So I'll I'll, I'll drop a, another simple tool in your hands and maybe it's less of a tool and it's more of an action is is the most successful people that I've either studied at a distance or up close, they get constant feedback and perspective from people around them. Uh, I've found that there's three types of people that I get feedback and perspective from professionally. One, I would fall under a, a, a coach or advisor category. Second, people would be consultants. And third, pr- people would be a therapist. And I think those three people, if you think about it, think about athletes that you think of. They have you know, if it's a golf golfer, they have a swing coach, they have a, a health and wellness coach, they have a strengthening coach, they have all kinds of things. They have a mental coach, right, to deal with the mental parts of the game. I think the most successful people, they get, they get feedback and perspective from people around them that, that you pay. I think there's some power in getting feedback from people you pay. Um, and and uh, so I, I think that's helped me in, in, in my uh, company that I work with that I've worked with for 25 years um, and and have been ex- excited and proud to do so. I learned early on as I went down the leadership path with my company that that they lined up the top 10% of people at the highest level of leadership in our company nationwide. And they, they put these these traits of these people that so they picked the top 10 and, and lined up these, I think it was eight or 10 traits. And the highest trait scored on there, the, the most important trait on this chart was self-awareness. 
And so self-awareness can sound kind of squishy. And say, so it's not that you have to go like to a mountaintop and meditate for a year and just say, who am I? And you know, what, what makes me tick? But self-awareness comes from getting feedback and gaining perspective and about who you are, why you do what you do. Uh, why do you do these things that help you and, and, and why do you do these things that maybe hold you back a little bit from being the best version of yourself, the best parent or the best brother or sister or the best executive or the best salesperson or, or the best friend or whatever. We all do have gotten things that have helped us, some gifts and some wounds that hold us back. And I think if you raise your self-awareness, You'll you'll strengthen those and you'll lift up the weaknesses. So so I think you know I'd encourage everyone on the call to just think about that. Are you investing in your own self awareness by having a coach or advisor, having a consultant, or having a therapist? I think they all do three different things, and I personally have all three of them in my life right now. Sometimes I've gotten feedback that maybe I'm a little overcoached or uh, you know overconsulted. But but I believe it's one of my keys so that I don't get too, I don't know how I'd say it, too kind of lost in my own perspective and or, or singularly focused in my own perspective or, um, you know, uh, by the way, I'll, I'll back up here too. I heard, I heard somebody at a, at a prayer breakfast that I went to a lot of years ago, probably almost 22 years ago. A gentleman spoke and he said, there's only two things that will make you a different person five years from now. You guys have heard this quote. It's kind of an old quote. But when I heard it, I thought, no way, there's only two things. So I listened closely. And, and this guy said, it's the books you read and the people that you surround yourself with. And everyone has heard this. Uh, but the more I do both of the, pay attention to both these things, the more I believe it to be true. So do I surround myself with, you know, right now I, I work with uh, an advisor who really 80% of the rest of his clients are all CEOs of Fortune, you know, 100 companies. And so he has a different perspective on the world than most people that I surround myself with. So, so boy, if I surround myself with him, he helps me think differently. Uh, you know, I also love reading biographies, autobiographies, biographies of, of successful people. Uh, and, and not just, I'd say significant people. I just finished the George Herbert Walker Bush book. It was a 600 page book and I'm not an avid reader. I don't read as consistently as I know I should or could, but I know that it'll make me a different person. And reading through that, I saw a lot of things he succeeded at and a lot of things he struggled at. And the book largely talked about how he grew up and how the things and the ways that he grew up both helped him and held him back in some areas. So you just can't argue it that, that self-awareness being aware of who you are, why you do what you do. Those are, those are some of the reasons why I think people succeed mightily, but also why people struggle and fail, I think, and, and don't implement some of these tools because they're just kind of stuck in, in a lack of self-awareness area. Hey, Matt, you are unpacking so much of what we talk about here on the podcast. Each, you know, each episode is about peak performance. I know that can sound really cliche to some people. And the whole deal here, the reason I created the podcast was for all the reasons that you're talking about. When I hit burnout, I didn't know where to turn. I just knew one thing. Life had to be a little bit better than this. Uh, I want to wake up with joy each day spiritual joy. I want to wake up with physical fitness. I want to wake up with just a different mindset and just didn't really know where to find that. So I started seeking. I started seeking books and podcasts and mentors and just people that could get me on the right path because I had no idea where to turn. And so everything that you're saying here, I'm just writing down notes as fast as I can because you're unpacking a lot. 
But I want to back up to this thought about the brain. And and you mentioned something about, you know, the brain doing two different things. It's here to protect us and it's here to help us uh, rest. And I've mentioned that, you know, a few times before about just our brain will take the path of least resistance. And I think that's why a lot of people get into burnout. People maybe even listening to you on this podcast, they're going, oh, yeah, this guy lives out in L.A. He's, you know, we know what people like that are like the easy street out there. But I know, give us, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pull back the layers here. Give us a little bit into your life about your day to day. I know that you're not just waking up and stretching and going, man, what am I going to do today? Your your schedule is packed and busy. So give us, you know, an idea of how, number one, how busy you stay, just to give the, the listeners an idea, but then how you build in all of this mental, I guess I would just say mental focus, mental toughness training to really get through what it is that you've got to get through in the grind each day and then also stay focused on that. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it depends. Uh, so I'll loop around to a few things here and I think I'll cover what you're asking is I think it depends where you are in your career and your life. I mean, sometimes you are at a stage where you, you really do need to, to that phrase, kind of grind it out. And what do you do to grind it out? You got to you got to have your head down, stay focused. I think then the tools are even more important. And then sometimes you're at a phase where you've kind of achieved some things and and you lift your head up and you look around and say, well, what do I want to achieve next? I think that's when the tools are super important, too, because you, you've got to get clarity and re-clarify and write a new three year letter and a new six month design statement and 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 add some things and check some things off your your 100 things list, for example. But I, I'll tell you, going back to the brain here, here's what I've learned. The brain operates on rules and the brain also it, it really rests by applying two things, really three things. And I'll, I'll share these three things with you that largely these three things sound good and they are good. But if all you're doing are these three things constantly, that's when I think, you know, the phrase you used of burnout, I think this is when it tends to happen. So I think about all the time, and, and I won't be able to describe it clearly enough here on, on uh, your podcast, but but I, I think about this on a chart, and the bottom left of the chart would fall into two things, best practices and grooved habits. So largely, a lot of us ask questions of other people. Hey, what, what are the best practices in your business? What are you, what are you doing to be most successful in your day? And what, what are you doing with your staff and teams in your business or whatever? And what habits have you formed that really are helping you awesome? But you got to realize if all you do is apply best practices and work in grooved habits, that's what the brain actually kind of wants you to do. And then it'll start doing it mindlessly and you actually become less effective and you do what, what I've learned to call and I learned it from one of my consultants too. It's called polishing the past. So I actually try as much as I can to not spend much time in the polishing the past place. Polishing the past is just, hey, what best practices? I go, you go meet with a, uh, an industry group of people of your peers or whatever and you say, what are you doing here? And what are you doing here? And I'm just like anybody else. I love learning those ideas but I always ask the question, okay, is that, is that something I'm just going to polish up and it's really just polish in the past? Or is that a new thing that helps me go up to the upper right part of this graph? Uh, so bottom left is about best practices and grooved habits. The upper right part is about the impossible rise and growing the future. So if you ask yourself a lot of questions, okay, what habits, what happens? And I, it's funny, right? Because habits are a good thing and, and applying best practices are supposed to be a good thing. But if that's all you do, you actually start to do it mindlessly and that's when it feels like burnout. I actually will frankly say I, I feel relatively blessed. I don't feel like I've hit a lot of burnout phases in my career because I've, I've stretched myself enough consistently to ask the questions of, yeah, but what would, what would make the impossible possible? So create that impossible rise. And what would I have to do today? I mean, here's a, here's a question that, that I ask. If I could create or build the organization of the future from scratch today, 
So again, if I could create or build the off the organization of the future uh, from scratch today that I would want to build, what would I do differently versus saying, well, what's so-and-so doing today? And what's so-and-so? And hey, they're running a good business. And, and, and what are they doing? No, I want to say from scratch, what would I do? That's where the most unique ideas, kind of stimulating ideas come, come to mind. So I will, I will answer some of your questions about kind of what I do every day to to stay fresh and stuff, but but I think we have to remember and almost challenge our thinking to say, oh, how much am I just polishing the past versus how much am I growing and creating the future? And 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 this is coming from a guy. If you guys fully knew me, uh, you know, I'm I'm not the most creative guy in the world. I've often said I'm I'm not a great entrepreneur, but I'm a really good business owner. I think I'm a I think I'm a, a good business owner who ha- who stretches myself to be entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurs, I think, create a super cool, unique idea and come up with something totally different. And I stretch myself to live in that space because to, to energize myself and to, and to stretch myself to think bigger or differently. But left to my natural devices, I'll, I'll live in the, the polish the past place as much or better than anyone. So I think, but, but you asked a question about kind of the day-to-day. One thing about LA that, that I've loved, I've lived in, I lived in, uh, let's see, one, I've only lived in one, two, three, four different states. So I did move quite a bit growing up, which I have learned, by the way, which I encourage everyone to look back at their past and learn what gave them some gifts and some wounds and, and you know, learn how to maximize both. One of the gifts I got was we moved six times when I was growing up. I moved three times in high school alone. And, and, and all were largely because of, you know, good opportunities that my dad had. And so we moved and I have an older sister and a younger brother. And I saw each of them had challenges some of the times with the moves, sometimes not. I felt pretty blessed that I, that I did well in the moves and even, and I did well in these moves. And if you measured me on a, on a, um, what do you call it? Extrovert, introvert chart, people would call, I've been measured multiple times as what's called an ambivert. So I'm not an extrovert who want, if you take me to a party and there are 50 people there, but I know four of them, I'm going to talk to four of those people 95% of the time. Uh, but on the other side, I'm, I'm not an introvert where I'm afraid to meet people or things like that. So the moving six times, I learned that that was a gift that was given me that I built skills of connecting with people quickly, building new relationships. That's great. But on the other side of that, I learned that, wait a minute. I, never, I kind of built into my brain, I don't ever have to build relationships very long because I'm not going to be here very long. And so I've had to really say, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I've now been married to my wife for over 13 years and, and I've got to build a deeper relationship to, to you know, be married for the rest of our lives uh, versus, versus, you know, having a short-term mindset on relationships. So little side note there, just look at your past. But taking it back to the four different states that I've lived in, you know, uh, you mentioned living in L.A. Here's what I love about L.A. L.A., um, people have high expectations for themselves in L.A., and it, and it rubs off on each other. Uh, our people in our organization out here have very high expectations for their lives, their personal lives, their professional lives. It's not just a rat race to make more money because it costs a heck of a lot to live out here versus the Midwest where I was largely from before this. But that's great because that's the surrounding yourself with people. But you also have to watch who you surround yourself with people. Uh, if uh, People in L.A., you mentioned the weather. The weather, weather's great all the time. So you can be doing things all the time. But then you could become a human doing and not a very good human being. And so, so my wife and I have had to pay real close attention to that, to have downtime, have quiet time. 
yesterday as we're recording this was Mother's Day. And we very intentionally for half of Mother's Day, it was quiet time with the family at home from, you know, about two o'clock in the afternoon on. And we're invited to go to different things. But I think you just have to ask yourself what's, you know, what's going to help you. And, you know, sometimes the you know, who you surround yourself with was helping you become the best version of yourself. And sometimes you have to make some decisions to help yourself be better and not just be busy. So I'll loop this, this around to a couple of other things that, that I do think help me every day. I read the design statement every day, twice a day. I'm not perfect at it, but I know I, know I do it more than most human beings and it helps me immensely. The other idea that, I, that I'll tell you about is that your apex operating system. I learned this from oh, one of the consultants and advisors that I work with. And, and uh, the, the general idea of your apex operating system is that we all have a system that works the best for us. And all of you have heard things about whether it's sleeping or eating or hydrating or working out or, or mental stimulation, whatever it is, what, I, what I'd encourage you to, all of us to think about is, is just be aware, kind of sit on your own right shoulder and say, ooh, but what works best for me? And that's what your apex operating system is. What, what works best for you? So, Jared, you asked me, you know, what do I do every day and wake up and, to, you know, and, and I'll share with you some tools that, that I do, but what I do may not work exactly for you. But, but what you have an opportunity to do is figure out what works exactly for you. I have a, a daughter who's 12 and a son who's 10, and they both play a lot of sports, and they, 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 they both are great, have great relationships, and they both you know, love our church, and they both you know, uh, you know, love school and are great at school. You know, as everybody's kids, they're perfect kids, right? But, but my point to that explanation is, but, but they are very different. Their operating systems are different you know, how much rest they need, how much mental stimulation they need slash can handle, how much human interaction they can need slash handle, how much, you know, challenge they need or support they need is different. And and so I just encourage everyone to just, it's kind of a lifelong journey to discover what's your apex operating system. And, and, I, and I'll give you some things that I've learned that are simple. Uh, and, it's, and it's simple things that a lot of you have heard, but you got to ask yourself what works for you is, you know, drinking water, cold water consistently throughout the day. That works for most everybody, but see how much or little works for you. I got a buddy that literally does the, what is it? 10 ounces of water per pound or something. You know, the guy's a very fit guy, weighs about a buck 50 and, but, but drinks. So whatever that is, 150 ounces of water a day. And, and you know, I don't drink that much, uh, you know, breathing, having your posture up, working on muscle tone, consistently doing things to create muscle tone uh, so that because so, muscle tones burn fat, burns fat and gives you energy, having healthy snacks throughout the day. We all know these things, sleeping in a dark room, a cold room without a ton of covers, not looking at your alarm clock. You know, I turned my alarm clock around for the last year and a half, so I don't see it. I sleep more, more consistently through the night if I do that. You know, people have Fitbits and things like that. I think the best thing about a Fitbit or any kind of tool like that, it just tells you what works for you. So, okay, I got this much sleep last night, or I got this much exercise. And then how did that feel? That's the important question. How did that feel for you? How'd that work for you? You know, I noticed the other day, my wife and I, I run several mornings a week, like four or five, six mornings a week. And then my wife and I have a trainer that comes over a couple mornings. And I noticed, and I just told this to my wife about a week or two ago, that, gosh, on those days that, that I run and work out with the trainer, it sounds good that I'm getting good physical fitness in, but I am wiped out, drained by five o'clock that day. So I have one of two choices to either work out less or watch what, what I'm eating throughout those days. I need more fuel because then I'm not worth anything. I, I literally can come home and I could accidentally fall asleep in about 
10 seconds just from sitting down. And also I'm getting older now. So you got to notice that what worked for you five years ago might not work for you now. So, so that's what I just, all this falls under the category of just watch what and learn what your apex operating system is. And how do you do that? You watch it and then you test and apply things with regularity. Okay. I'm, so I'm going to test eating things differently when I work out and run on the same day. And if I drink more water, does it give me more energy? If I, if I get more protein in, does it give me more energy? Cause I want to be focused for my people in my organization, uh, for the clients. I want to be focused with, on my friends and my wife and my kids and whatever that, whatever gets in the way of that, I've got to watch that. So I'd encourage you to check out your apex operating system, but I'll give you one simple tool that everyone could implement today. And I know I keep using the word tools because I want you to think about these. These are just tools you can have, have on you, kind of hang in your tool belt and use. Some people have them in their tool belt and never use them. Some people don't even have them in their tool belt yet, but I'm giving them to you in your tool belt. And you've heard them in, in prior podcasts, it sounds like. But here's a simple tool and it's called the check-in. So if you check in with yourself, on this will take you, you know, milliseconds, is, is if you check in with yourself and ask, you, ask yourself two questions. At this moment, what's my self-rating for energy on a scale of 1 to 10 and focus on a scale of 1 to 10? I brought in one of my coaches and consultants and shared it with about 12 top executives in the Los Angeles area about three years ago. He spoke to them for an hour and a half, and this was the best thing they took away. And it'll sound so simple, you think it's not a big deal. But before you walk in your door at night, to be with your family, ask yourself, how's my energy scale of one to 10? How's my focus scale of one to 10? Before you walk into a client meeting, how's my energy scale of one to 10? How's my focus scale of one to 10? Before you interact with uh, the most important person in your office on your team, how's my energy scale of one to 10? How's my focus one to 10? You can do it before anything you do. And here's what happens. Automatically, whatever you rate yourself at, both numbers go higher because you asked. It engages your brain. It engages your body. And think about it in today's world. Are people running slower or faster? In general, we're running faster. That's the energy part. So we got to constantly bring up our energy. Are people more or less focused? We're way less focused. I, I very intentionally do not carry my cell phone on my person during the day. I keep it in my briefcase if I'm out of the office or I keep it on my credenza if I'm in the office because what happens when it vibrates? you're a little less focused than you were right before it vibrated. So that's a simple tool. It's the energy and focus check-in that will raise your energy and focus and people around you will feel your raised energy and focused if you ask yourself this multiple times a day because trust me, they're feeling the opposite too. They're feeling, they're feeling your lack of energy and your lack of focus and, and you may not even know they're feeling it, but they're feeling it. Matt, I talk a lot on the podcast about things that are going to help us get rested. You mentioned, you know, keeping your phone in your uh, in your briefcase and not keeping it on your person, so to speak. I talk about sleep. I talk about just anything that's going to help us get to peak performance. Tell us about uh, any rituals you have around sleep, and even more importantly, I would say rest during the day. Active rest. Are you doing anything to rejuvenate yourself during the day when things are just crazy going, going, going? How much sleep are you getting at night? How do you stay in tune to this? this fast paced, focus paced, I would say even more importantly, when life is coming just as busy at you, if not busier than many other people out there that just seem that 
it just seems to be that they can't catch up on what they're trying to do each day to stay focused or stay rested. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's a great question. I think a lot of that goes back to your calendar. And again, it doesn't matter what type of person you are. If, if you have a more set calendar, you'll be amazed what you can get out of your life. We've all been given the same amount of hours and minutes and all that stuff. But but you know, I one overly simple thing I changed. And we changed it about two years ago, maybe it's slightly longer. And when I say we, me and my executive assistant, that that we largely have forty five minute meetings now rather than an hour. And that fifteen minutes between appointments you know, gives me a recharge. It helps me stay focused with the next person I'm in front of, helps me stay engaged. Now I can still be in all day meetings, but we try to take a few more breaks, get some, get some, you know, light on your eyes. I've, I've heard from neuroscientists that, you know, lights are, uh, or your eyes are almost like recharge batteries. If you let light come in them, it raises the, the energy. So, so, but have 45 minute meetings in an hour and you'll, you can get more out of 45 minute meetings in an hour. It's not about rushing people. It's about giving yourself that, like you said, rest throughout the day, Jared, which is good. I think, I think the other thing is, is just as far as how to have better rest at night, that gets down to self-awareness and your apex operating system. You know, I found myself not being able to sleep well after achieving significant goals. And it wasn't because I logically thought, oh, geez, now I have to go do it again. It wasn't that. I just couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, but, but through talking to coaches and consultants and why was I getting up way more at night when I, after I achieve goals, then sometimes you'd think you're, you're not sleeping when you're in the heat of pushing for a goal or a deadline or something. And, uh, but, but what I discovered was that I didn't celebrate well. How do you celebrate the achievement of a goal and fully feel it and appreciate it and enjoy it? I wasn't great at that. And if I can enjoy it more and I, then I can, boom, turn and stay just as energized for the next thing I want to accomplish or experience or achieve. So those are a couple of things, 45 minute meetings, the awareness as to why you sleep when you sleep or you don't sleep when you don't sleep, because uh, we all need that. And, you know, I've heard everything from people are kind of the people of, of the quantity version where you got to get X amount of hours a night. And some people are super proud of, and they're more quality people. Hey, less sleep, but it's more quality. I think you just got to figure out what works for you. You know, I've personally figured out I love seven and a half hours a night. If I dip into the sixes for three nights in a row, I'm not good. But I figured that out for me. Caffeine's a big thing in today's world. I don't personally drink coffee. Caffeine affects people. Some people it doesn't. So, so I, had a, I had a question there about sleep. You're getting about seven and a half. If that's your ideal, about seven and a half hours each night. Yeah, uh, some pretty much. Uh, nine thirty to five. I get up at five, five to six days a week. Okay, so let's let's explore this for just a second. If you've got just the typical person out there in today's society, this just the way society puts demands on us, and really we, you know, our bodies haven't evolved to the way that business makes us run today, and so we have to build in these tools, as you keep mentioning, or we're just going to wear ourselves out, yeah. burn ourselves out, run ourselves into the ground. Tell me about the guy out there right now that's listening to this that goes, man, I don't know who this. Matt Blocker guy is, but you know, I, I know I'm busy and I just can't get seven hours. I can't get seven and a half hours. I've tried. It doesn't work. Um, you know, there's no easy button. There's no magic button out there. Uh, you mentioned not having your cell phone with you to take away focus. You mentioned things that you're doing between meetings, like the 15 minute breathers, things like that. Is there anything that you're doing to build more time into your day? You know, we have the same amount of hours as, or same amount of minutes, as you mentioned earlier, but what are you doing to build more time or maximize your time during the day to where you're not just always spent outside of just rest at night? I'll give you some exact things, but I'll, I'll say also it starts with the question. I mean, I have a question I ask myself is how can I – I have four, four questions. How can I feel more, fear less? How can I care more, carry less? How can I build more and run less? And how can I win more and work less? 
And I want you to hear that last one because that was the first thing I started telling myself about six, seven years ago. I want to win more and work less. Well, the largest part of my identity of growing up, I grew up in a very German, hardworking, blue collar-ish, you know, on a farm. I grew up on a hog farm the first five years of my life. My identity was how hard I worked. And I think there's way too many people that they're, they're not asking themselves the right questions. If, if, if you say, I, well, I don't know how this guy does it, but I don't have enough time. Well, ask yourself what you're doing with your time. And, and is your goal to work more than anyone else? Then congratulations, you're winning that goal. But, but that's probably not your goal. Uh, that was my goal for a long time. That was my identity. I was very proud about how hard I worked. And, but but I, look, I don't want to win less and work less. I want to win more and work less. And I don't want to work less because I want to sit around and do nothing. I want to work less because work to me means over-efforting. And, and look, I think I work really hard compared to some people, but I also look at a lot of people and say, that guy's over-efforting. Or that, that lady is, wow, she, she's got something that tells her that working more hours is the way to win. And maybe it is at the pace you are in your career. You might have to put in hours, but I still have a hard time uh, believing that anyone that's listening to this couldn't look at their calendar, ask themselves the harder question is, how could I win more and work less? And I bet you'll find some answers to it. Um, it's, it's not win less and work less. It's win more, whatever winning is in your life and work less. The more I ask myself that question, the more I come up with things. And it's kind of amazing to me. I actually feel incredibly blessed consistently that I'm like, gosh, okay, I'm really glad I don't, you know, that, that guy can't coach his kid's team because he somehow thinks he has to put in this, these hours. I, I coach my, my son's baseball, my son's basketball. I help with my daughter's basketball, my daughter's soccer on our, our local school board, you know, uh, been pretty busy for 25 years of my career and it's, you know, and I want to be a great husband and a great dad and a great friend and a great son. And, you know, uh, same thing as all you want to be. Uh, I just think we got to ask ourselves more of those hard questions rather than just saying, well, that's what I've always done. Right. As we wrap up the podcast here, and uh, I just know people have taken so much away from this, just practical tools and techniques sort of similar to the question I asked earlier, but just the person who is looking to take that next step, again, whether that's the first step or whether that's just the next step that they've plateaued and they're looking for, you know, man, I've tried everything. What new out there could I try? Um, Practical steps to take someone in the right direction who might be hearing this going, man, I don't know that I'm going to go out and just hire a, a new coach tomorrow. I don't know that I have the resources or money to work with a neuroscientist. I don't know that I have money to hire a trainer to come by my house every day. What is just when someone opens their eyes tomorrow, their eyes pop open, they decide I want a new life. Some of it's going to go back to the things you've mentioned, right? But what are basic practical steps right now somebody can take to turn that around and and build and grow in the right direction? All right, Hill, I'll give this to you. And it's a perfect way to finish because it is, it's the simplest thing. And it's the, you know, everybody makes New Year's resolutions, right? And not many people fall through, follow through on them because they're too big. So here's what I'll give you guys. There's, there's, there's a four-step weekly test. Your brain can handle, can handle things on, on a weekly basis. So ask yourself these four questions. First of all, what, what do I want to test? Second of all, what did I learn? Third of all, what worked? And fourthly, what's next? So what did I test? What did I learn? What worked? And what's next? Now you may be saying, well, what's a test? And now I'll give you the, the simplest, the, here's the test. The test is, comes from this question. Wake up tomorrow morning and ask yourself, what is the smallest change I can make today that will create the biggest impact for my life tomorrow? 
So you got you to gotta get those words right. And when you say that, the smallest change. Okay, here's a small change I'm going to make today. I am going to, uh, small change, pick whatever it is, uh, small change. I am going to, whatever it is for you, I am going to turn my lights off in my room five minutes earlier than I do on average, which will get you more sleep. I am going to drink one more bottle of water today than I normally do. I am going to, whatever your business is, take one more, more small action today than I normally do. It's, it's about raising your minimums and it's about the smallest change. That's the biggest way to, to kind of trick your brain into making changes. When you want to make a big change, your brain goes, cool, I can rest on this because this is big and huge and it's too overwhelming. What's the smallest change I can make today that will create the biggest impact for me tomorrow? Do that 52 weeks out of the year, I think you'll be in a totally different place very quickly. Matt, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate you being here. I know the listeners do as well, and I uh, look forward to possibly having you back as a repeat guest at some point someday to focus more on brain activity and just overall rest and all the things that you brought today. So I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy, busy guy, and uh, thanks so much for the wisdom you shared today. No problem, Jared. Thanks for what you're doing, man. This is going to help a lot of people, you know, helping us all slow down and learn from each other. It's great. Absolutely. Have a great week, Matt. Thanks, Jared. See ya. So that wraps it up for us here today on the Success 101 podcast. Glad you guys could join us and so glad to have Matt Plocker here to share his wisdom. As always, I look forward to bringing you the next concept or idea to help you maximize your peak potential. And if you want to connect with me in the meantime, you can check me out on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash success 101 podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter and that's at Warren Jared. Again, at Warren Jared, or even better yet, shoot me an email with new ideas you have for the podcast. I'm always looking for new content and ideas that I can bring you guys that is most relevantly going to serve you. And my email is the success 101 podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to having you all on the show again next time. Until then, go out and have an incredibly productive week as you reach your maximum potential through these brain tools and other ideas we discuss on the podcast. 